Welcome back, everyone. We are having a good week of conversations with my friend Omer from Israel, and he is kind of filling in a lot of our information gaps as to uh, how things have come to where they're at right now in Israel. Uh, we kind of ran out of time last time. We were talking about things that were happening uh, right around the time of World War II uh, with the Holocaust, which definitely killed 7 million Jews. Let's not let anybody out there try to say otherwise, because it's not accurate. It did happen. And uh, how that was part of the reason for even more Jewish people wanting to head home, if you will, uh, to the Holy Land, uh, to Jerusalem and Judea and all the other areas there. Uh, so, Omer, take us uh, close to where we were talking about, about the partition plans and things, and move forward in time and how uh, some of those property lines where the Jewish people actually owned all that property, they purchased all that property earlier in uh, the 1900s, how that kind of shifted around as Israel gets established as a state. We need to, for us to understand it better, we need to go back to the year 1936. This is before Second World War. 1936, there was a committee by the, by the name the Field Committee. It was a British, mostly British committee, that came and decided to offer a partition between the Arab inhabitants of the land of Israel and the Jewish inhabitants. Of course, the Jews said yes, yes, the Arabs said no. And that evolved into the Great Arab Revolt between 36 and 39. That revolt ended in a complete crush of the Arabs by the British. The revolt was actually uh, targeted mostly against the British, not so much against the Jews. Of course, Jews were seen as an ally of the British, so they also suffered. The next partition plan will be 1947. 1947, that's when the UN decided about the, the, the partition. Uh, and again, as we said in the last episode, most of the land that the UN uh, suggested to the Jewish state was already owned by the Jews. At that point, we have actually what we call the 1948 war, which actually had two stages. Stage number one was between 1947 and 1948. And that was a civil war. It was a war between the Jews and the Arabs. By the way, back then, the name Palestinian was to the Jews. Not to the Arabs. The Arabs call themselves Arabs, not Palestinian. They call themselves Palestinian only in 1967. Before that, they were Arabs. So uh, 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 there was a, a civil war between them. And then once the state of Israel was established in 1948, then we had seven armies of the Arab nations going into the land of Israel. And they were uh, pushed back by the IDF. And this is the, then what we have, what we call the 1967 lines. In those 1967 lines, Israel also lost land. We lost the Golan Heights. We lost the area of Hebron. We had some villages around Hebron. We lost the area of Gush Etzion, which is south of Jerusalem, next to Bethlehem. It was a Jewish area. We lost the Jewish quarter. It was a Jewish area. We lost the Jewish community in Hebron, in Shechem. All the Jewish communities in the holy cities, in the ancient cities in the West Bank, the Jews were expelled for those from those uh, uh Villages. So in 1948, you have two main cluster of refugees. You have the Palestinian, meaning the Arab, even though back then they called Arab, the Palestinian were the Jews, Arabs of 1948 that fled from their home, and you have Jews that were expelled from Arab countries, such as Iraq, such as uh, uh, Egypt, such as Syria, such as Lebanon. So those Arab Jews became Israelis. That's why, by the way, today I, I 
I hear that people blame Israel of being white supremacists. It's such a joke because Israel is not white. <laughs> it's, no. No, but let's not, let's not, def- <laughs> let's not let the fact ruin a good theory. So um, um, after this, we have what we call the Sinai campaign, which Israel took over Sinai. Uh, uh, this war was commissioned, by the way, by France and England. And then Israel gave back uh, Sinai, and then we have 1967. In 1967, Israel won the Six-Day War, and in that Six-Day War, Israel conquered the West Bank, meaning the West Bank of the river. That's the famous river that people chant in today. That is the Jordan River, so that's the West Bank, and Sinai Peninsula, including the Gaza Strip. In 1982, sorry, 1978, Israel gave all of Sinai back to Egypt, minus Gaza Strip. Why? Because uh, uh, Sadat, who was the prime minister of, of Gaza, knew who the Palestinians are that lives in Gaza, and he said to uh, Menachem Begin, our prime minister, he said, keep it, it's yours, I don't want it. <laughs> so that's how we have the Gaza Strip. The Gaza Strip was actually Egyptian. Yes. In 1982, Israel had to fight against the uh, uh, Palestinian, this time Arab Palestinian, who dwelled in Lebanon. They came into Lebanon in 1970, after Black September. Uh, they came to southern Lebanon and demolished the country. The country used to be Christian. Lebanon today is, is not. Right. And uh, they started a civil war in 1975. These are the Palestinians that fled from Jordan into southern Lebanon and started the establishment, actually, of Hezbollah at the end. It was, the beginning was called Amal. Then later on it became Hezbollah. And this is where Iran started to send Shiites into Lebanon, where back in the 80s they were a very small minority. And today, they actually, they're not majority, but... They have a much bigger chunk of population. Then we're going back to, uh, going up to the first intifada. Intifada in Arabic meaning uh, violent uprising. When those idiots in the street today shouting intifada, that means violent uprising. That's what it means. And this was promoted by the religious leaders, correct? Yes. The intifadas. Yes, intifada was promoted by the religious leaders when they tried to color the conflict in religious uh, 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 colors. It's not the war of the Israelis against the Palestinians is the war of the Muslims against the Jews. That's how they tried to portray it. So the first intifada ended up with the Oslo Accord that the Palestinians gained control of the West Bank, meaning all the major cities are under Palestinian control, and Gaza. In 2007, I'm jumping forward, 2007, Hamas actually made a military coup in Gaza and killed the PLO. He killed the members of the PLO and became the leader of uh, 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 of the Gaza Strip. So you, you basically have a more radical group take over from a less radical Absolutely. group. Absolutely. The Palestinian Liberation Organization is taken over by Hamas, which is the Palestinian resistance movement. Something like this, yes. Yeah. Now, something I want to share with our, with our listeners that are going to shock them. PLO, Palestinian Liberation Organization, was formed in the year 1964. Who controlled the West Bank in 1964? Jordan, not Israel. So how come the Palestinian Liberation Organization was born when the West Bank was occupied by Jordan? It's because back then they called Tel Aviv settlement. It's all a question of relatively where the borders are. Today, the settlement they're going to say is northern Jerusalem. These are settlements. All right? But back then, 1964, they said, oh, if we're going to get rid of all the settlements, then there's going to be peace. But back then, the settlements were Tel Aviv and Haifa, and Safed, and Tiberias. These are the settlements. Yeah, which was all legitimate Israeli-purchased property. Completely. So 
The PLO itself, now we start to hear the name Palestinian only after 1967. Before that, Palestinian didn't exist. There was no, not even a flag for the Palestinian. Even the word Palestine, with a P, there's no P in the Arabic language. It's a foreign name. Never in history of Islam, this place was called Palestine. Never, ever. It was called Bilad Sham, which means the land of Sham. It's northern Syria, southern Syria and Israel. It was called Biliet Damascus under the, the uh, uh, Turkish Empire. It was called only when the British controlled it. It was called Palestine, Palestine. But the name P, Palestine, doesn't exist in yeah. Arabic. So it's amazing how they say, oh, we were always here. N no, they were not. Now, if we look at, uh, uh, at the maps... In 2005, this is very important for us to, to, to understand, Israel pulled out of Gaza completely. There were settlements in Gaza. There were about, if I remember correctly, five villages that Israel evacuated completely, 100%, all the inhabitants uh, from there, leaving all the uh, uh, infrastructure to... I remember this. Mm -hmm, leaving it to the Palestinians to use the infrastructure. To uh, improve their situation was the idea. Absolutely. They left uh, uh, greenhouses, they left uh, 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 factories. In less than three days, those factories and those facilities were, were completely burned down by the Palestinian. And that area until today is wasteland. There's nothing there in the West Bank. And, uh, uh, since and the materials were cannibalized to be used for making war stuff. Exactly. So, so since 2007, Hamas is in power, and Hamas is a very radical group, very, very, very radical group. Uh, uh, and uh, basically, now we know, now in 2023, now we know that the money that Hamas got, every year they got about $2 billion from the year 2014 until today, $2 billion per year. They used 100% of that to build up their terror organization. Yeah not civilian. Now we know this. We didn't expect that. We really didn't. Israel was caught off guard because it's not in our mentality. It's not something that we can even famine to think something like this. But it's a different, it's a different way of thinking. I think that probably brings us up pretty close then to be able to talk about the, uh, the atrocities uh, that occurred when Hamas came across that border. Um, Give the statistics again for everybody to hear the numbers and talk about some of the things we're finding out now that were happening uh, to those folks that were kidnapped. In uh, October 7, 2023, it was uh, a major holiday in Israel called Simchat Torah, the joy of the Bible, the joy of the, the Torah. Hamas entered into civilian homes using 3,000 terrorists. 3,000 terrorists. 3,000 heavily armed terrorists. Uh, we were completely caught off guard, completely in shock, because nobody imagined that this is what they're planning. Yeah. I, I remember when you posted something uh, on the Facebook page for uh, uh, The Bible Comes to Life, is that you were kind of expecting this was just another one of those little times mm -hmm. where they were just causing a little bit of trouble, uh, stirring the pot. Uh, and then, it, then the reality came. To the yeah. forefront, which keep talking about it. What happened was that we had about, as I said, we had 300 soldiers on the border because uh, Hamas basically was was lying to us. I got to give them credit. They did a very good job on this. 
they were lying to Israel that all they want is, is to take care of their own people. And every time we had skirmishes with Gaza, they blamed the Islamic Jihad. They said, it's not us, it's the Islamic Jihad. We're the good guys. So keep on giving us money. And Israel kept on giving them money. By the way, the United States had the exact same mistake with Imperial Japan. Mm-hmm. When Imperial Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, it was in the midst of peace process and negotiation. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly the same. Exactly the same. Why they were able to fool us? Fool us, meaning Israel and the United States. Because when you come from a Western understanding, which is biblically based, what you want to do is to be, bring better future for your children and to put bread and education. That's what you want to do. This is, this is who we are. When and this, you think that all people are like that, yeah. and I got newsflash for our listeners: some people are not like that. No. And when you look at Gaza, for example, and this is something that uh, uh, again, just to understand the numbers, the population of Gaza today is two million people. Is it true to say that all the two million are Hamas supporters? No, of course not. Maybe ten percent of them, but ten percent is two hundred thousand people. That's a lot of. That's a lot that's of terrorists. Lot of that's a lot of people. Yeah. So let's go back to, to the numbers. <clears throat> Hamas broke down the, uh, the border and uh, basically target civilian. They also attacked military bases, not a lot. Most of their attacks were targeted against civilian. This is a terror act. They kidnapped uh, um, 240 Israeli citizens uh, from the age of 10 months to the age of 90, uh, took in uh, elder citizens, crippled people, uh, uh, um, children, babies, killing parents before their children, killing children before the eyes of the parents, burning down civilians, uh, uh, dismantling uh, limbs, raping. Uh, the shock that we had, and we still have it, is not to the fact that Hamas was able to go through our borders. That's not, that's not the shock. The shock is the atrocities that they did. The, the war crime that they did. And this is something I want to share with our listeners. How do we know this? Because they were proud of it and they took pictures of it. Yes. And they uploaded that to their Facebook and yes. to, to Telegram. Yeah, I, I remember one where a guy was calling his parents, bragging that he had killed so many Israelis. Killed Jews, and, yes. and they were saying, well, kill more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is something that we cannot understand. We cannot understand this. And today I'm seeing how how the Arab propaganda, the Palestinian propaganda, they are so clever. The Palestinian propaganda touches the exact points that the West want to hear. How Israel is the aggressor. How we occupy them. But let's look at the fact. We don't occupy them since 2005. We don't. We don't blockade them because they have a full border with Egypt. The entire south border of Gaza is with Egypt. So how come nobody comes to Egypt? Why they didn't attack the Egyptians? At the end of the day, in October 7, Hamas made atrocities against humanity in the most brutal way we can think of since the Holocaust. And I think maybe the Mongol hordes, maybe, to do that kind of brutality. They made no differentiation between babies and elders. And until now, there are 139 hostages. That's what they say. I think we have a lot less of civilian that being kept in the dungeon of Hamas. And you know what? This is incredible. If Hamas will lay down their arms, Hamas, not the Palestinian, Hamas. If Hamas will lay down their arms and give back the hostages, that's the end of the war. Yes. The war over. That's it, immediately. Yesterday, in, in uh, when we had the, the, the talk in, in, in the church, 
uh, a gentleman raised up a question that I want, I, want to, I want to repeat this here for our people, our listeners to understand. He said, how do you explain the fact that Israel killed 20,000 Palestinians? I want to say this. When you look at the health ministry of, of Palestine, the numbers that they give, first of all, how do they know that? Yeah, I don't trust those numbers at all. Because aggressors tend to exaggerate numbers to their own benefit, always. And look at this. From those 20,000 people that were killed, how come there are no terrorists? Right, they never break it down. They never break it down. I want to use this analogy. In the Battle of the Bulge in 1945, uh, uh, Omar Bradley and, and uh, uh, Patton, General Patton, killed over 40,000 Germans. Some estimation goes up to 68,000 Germans. So in that understanding, the U.S. committed war crimes against Germany. But those 68,000 or 40,000 uh, Germans that got killed in the Battle of the Bulge were Nazis. Right. So it's not that the U.S. killed 40,000, uh, 45,000 innocent lives. They killed Nazis. We, we have a breakdown of the figures, furthermore. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We, we, we know how many were armed uh, combatants and things like that. Estimation in Israel that Israel killed around 18, 17 to 18,000 terrorists. That are the estimation. Now, it does leave us between 3,000 and 2,000 innocent lives that were lost. Are we happy with this? Absolutely not. No. We are praying for every every single uh, uh, innocent life that was lost on both sides of the border. By the way, this is a statement that I did not hear from the Palestinian side. Yeah. They never condemned the atrocities. They condemn us, but they don't condemn the atrocities against us. Yeah. I, I, I want to kind of tweak those numbers a little bit more as well as to my not happy hearing them. I keep hearing talking about how many children have been killed, and immediately my mind goes to this. But wait a second. A lot of those, quote, children are likely to be teenage boys that are actually armed combatants. And they would technically be children, but they are actually combatant deaths. And that needs to be distinguished. Uh, and the women as well. I mean, not all women are just civilians that got caught up in the, the battle and got killed. Some of them are actually armed combatants as well. I want to... I wanna ask our listeners to Google the Battle of Berlin in 1945. Mm -hmm. In the Battle of Berlin, Hitler, his army was children. Yes. He used 12-year-old boys as Nazi soldiers against the Allies. Yeah, he was throwing them at, at the, the Allies at the very end. Right. And we have evidence of American army saying, I'm fighting against children. Yes. So according to that standard, the U.S. conducted atrocities against humanity. But yes, you can, you can say it's a child, but that was a Nazi soldier. So you can say now it's a child, but this is a terrorist. Yeah. He's a 16-year-old terrorist with a gun. But th these nuances are very, very important. Of course. Uh, because just throwing that number out there, which I'm hearing all the time now, 20,000 Gazans have been killed. You can't just throw that number out there. You need to distinguish it. You need to give information about it. Uh, so that it can be better seen in its context. And as much as we hate it, I'm, I'm a veteran, uh, just like you're a veteran. Uh, I was in the Gulf War, and uh, casualties are a horrendous part of war. Yeah. And uh, Western mort mentality is limit them as much as possible on both sides uh, and definitely try to limit the civilian ones. Um, 
civilian casualties do happen, though. And uh, World War II was full of civilian casualties. The majority of them happened on the Axis side. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is the same reason that they're happening in Gaza, I think. And that is that the Nazi side and the Japanese side as well put a lot of their military materiel and personnel inside of civilian zones on purpose. And that's that's what Hamas has been doing. I think the, 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 the link between Hamas, Hezbollah, uh, Boko Haram, uh, Al-Qaeda, Nazis, Imperial Japan, uh, uh, all of those, uh, North Korea, these are all demonic fractures. Yes. These, these are demonic way of thinking. When uh, How can anyone say... I will be protected if I'm going to surround myself with children. Yeah. This is this is a doctrine that they're using. Also, the Nazis use that. Yes. And and for us, it's something that we cannot we cannot understand this. We have so many movies on social media showing the IDF is about to strike a terrorist, and then they hear on the radio there are innocent lives aboard, and they don't do it. They they don't push the button. And in the same breath, I will say, when Hamas and Hezbollah are firing thousands of missiles at Israel, they are aimed to kill as many civilians as possible. They don't know where they're firing those missiles. They just throw them out. Whatever it lands, it lands. So, but they are firing them into heavy populated area in order to kill as many civilians as possible. My biggest concern here is that the West, and I'm talking right now about the progressive West and about the liberal West, they're liberal only to one side. I never heard them condemning firing thousands of missiles against, you know, uh, civilian population. Nobody said, oh, this is not okay to do it. Right. This yeah. is a complete violation of, the, of, of, uh, uh, of the international law. The international law of war says if you are being occupied, you, are, you have every right to resist against military target, not against civilian. Hamas and Hezbollah are targeting only uh, civilian. In what they say is, every Israeli serving the military, so they're all legitimate uh, targets. Really, a child that is three years old that was kidnapped into Gaza served in the military. Which rank is he in the IDF right now? Right. Such a such a horrible state of affairs we find ourselves in here with this. Uh, now today, uh, for us, it's the 9th of January because everybody that listens to the program they know I have to do this several. Uh, weeks ahead. Um, so we can't really be certain what's going to happen by the time this gets broadcast. But what are your, I don't know, I'm going to have to put this in the form of what are your hopes and expectations based on what you're hearing from your connections uh, back at home? How's this all going to get resolved? What, what, what do we expect to see? I'm going to start by saying that I am a radical optimist <laughs> okay i am i am i am i am i believe that god has a plan for everything and i know how the book ends and it ends good so uh, I, i'm an optimist i think that what's going to happen after this uh, this war uh, uh this is this is my hopes and dreams I, okay. I, i'm not saying that this was going to happen right you're, you're not a prophet I'm you're not a, a prophet. son of a prophet yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm a son of a doctor but yeah that's uh, <laughs> I hope and pray that uh, uh, Israel will be able to diminish the force of Hamas so much to a point that they're going to have to go in exile and there will going to be a, a new regime 
and Gaza will be rebuilt using uh, international uh, money and international forcing uh, uh, um, regime that's going to be made out of different different nations that will control Gaza. I hope that the, the, the hostages will, will come back. I'm not sure that that's going to happen, not all 139 of them, because I don't, don't believe that 139 of them are alive. I think maybe 50 at most. But for the listeners that are listening now, we're doing this three weeks uh, yeah. before, I hope that my words now hit something, that at least we see some hostages back. I do think this, though. The people of Gaza on October 7 were joyful and happy to see the Jews coming into Gaza and they spit at them and they yell at them and they, they hit them. I'm talking about the hostages. Those same people today are cursing Hamas. I know this from my friends in the military who tell me that. They're cursing Hamas because the leaders of Hamas are in Doha, Qatar right now, you know, eating five-star uh, 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 meals, gourmet meals, and their commanders are safe and sound inside the tunnels in Gaza where the civilians are starving to death. Yeah, I think that's an important point to make. The big guys that are calling the shots are in Qatar, and the ones that are doing the leadership are in bunkers. Yeah, yeah. and actually to a point that, that one of the heads of Hamas was asked in the international media, why aren't you taking care of your people? I mean, Israel takes care of their people. Why don't you take care of your people? Hamas said, it is not our responsibility. It is the UN and the international mm. community mm. to take care of the Palestinian. Because, and I got to say this, I blame the West on this. I blame the West. Until today, the Palestinians call themselves refugees. I want to go back to the beginning of our conversation. In 1948, there were two fractions of refugees, Jews and Arabs. The Jews built a state. The Arabs decided they're going to be refugees and live off welfare for the rest of the days. By definition, if you are born and you live at the place that you are born, you are not a refugee. No. That's the definition of the word refugee. And I need to remind our, our listeners right now, there were, a million, there were a million Jewish refugees, not from Holocaust Europe, from the Arab world. Where is the UN? Right. How come the UN never helped us? They only helped the other side. They never helped the Israelis. Yeah, there needs to be an even-handed approach here mm -hmm. in all of this. Well, this has been a great uh, time of us discussing uh, a little bit of history and getting some understanding better, I think, uh, for the folks out here as to how Israel came into existence and the legitimacy of that. Uh, and then this most recent uh, terror attack, uh, this these atrocities. And we're going to be praying that all of this comes to an end. I've been trying to encourage people, pray for Israel, pray for the Middle East, pray this is resolved well. Um, our next two episodes that we've set aside here, we're going to go on a little bit less tense topic. <laughs> uh, I'm going to bring you back uh, next episode, and we're going to talk about archaeology mm -hmm. in Israel. Uh, and then uh, Friday uh, program, we're going to talk about tourism in Israel. And I'm going to be encouraging people to come in and join me to uh, come to your beautiful country of Israel. Stand by, and we'll get some more going.